Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Barry Rosner, Joe Ostrowski with you until 1240, taking you up to Cubs baseball. Right now, it's time to go out to the Score Hotline, where we're joined by Tyler Kepner, national baseball writer for the New York Times. You can follow him on Twitter at Tyler Kepner. You can hear him right now on Hit and Run. Hey, Tyler, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I love that uh, This Week in Baseball intro music. That's great. That's uh, it's our twib stuff. Love yeah, it. it's our national hit music. Uh, I'm glad you're old enough to remember that. Yeah, yeah, I'm 43, so I uh, I do remember waking up to This Week in Baseball on Saturday mornings and seeing all the uh, highlights in the years before baseball tonight and MLB Network. I believe it is on the closing theme that they use the highlight of Dave Parker's throw in the All-Star game with Bruce Suter on the mound and Gary Carter making the great catch and tag. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, that was... uh... That was an amazing throw. That was a uh, memorable All Star game. But yeah, no, I remember they had they would have the clip of uh, Hank Aaron circling the bases with those uh, guys running out of the stands yep. around him, and then the you know clip of uh, Carlton Fisk waving the ball fair, and and uh, you know Babe Ruth speaking uh, at the Hall of Fame, uh, you know inductions and everything. So it was yeah, I remember that well. Pretty great stuff. All right, greatest throws of all time. No, I'm ju- I'm just kidding. Uh, let's start with uh, your New York teams. The New York Yankees, what's your confidence level in them, and especially in Luis Severino going into a, a wild-card playoff game? Well, the way Jay Happ's been throwing, you might want to put Happ on the mound for Ooh. a wild-card game. I mean, okay. he's 5-0. and oh. He's 5-0 and oh with them and uh, and been doing great. And, and when you think about it, um, the Yankees, uh, what they what they feel like is their biggest strength is is their bullpen and, and the, the uh, number of, of good arms they can throw at you. Um, now, obviously, Chapman's on the DL now. Um, but I think if at this moment, if if you can count on a, a guy like Hap for, you know, five six good innings, then you can line up guys like uh, assuming they're all healthy, you know, guys like Patantis and Britton and Robertson and and uh, Chapman. I think you'd take your chances because Severino. Uh, we'll see what he does against the Orioles uh, tonight, but he has not been good lately. I mean, uh, he earned that All Star nod uh, for what he did up until then, but he's uh, he's really struggled, um, you know, for for a lot of the second half. And what is the plan for the New York Mets? Is there one? Do you have any feel for what they're going to try to do before next season? Well, we need to see who the new general manager is going to be. I think that'll that'll dictate a lot of uh, their direction. Um, you know, and 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 until then, we don't really know. I, I think they're they're happy in the sense that they've at least played better lately. Um, you know, maybe a lot of not a lot of people are. Are noticing because um, they bury themselves early, um, but they have they have done better lately. Um, and uh, you know, since the second half uh, started, there, you know, Zach Wheeler's been very good, and Degrom is on the is on the Cy Young uh, under consideration for that. And 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 so you know, and some of their hitters have done okay. So it's it, it's not great, um, but they have shown some signs of life, and uh, they want to finish strong and uh, you know give the new GM some things to think about. Can this athletics thing continue? 
Well, I, I think they're they were close enough to the end of the season where they can they can uh, you know they can they can finish it out and, and, and get a wild card spot. Sure, I still think Houston's a, a, a much better team, um, but the the way the A's have played for two months now really um, yeah. has uh, has been remarkable, um, and they deserve a ton of credit for for patching together a respectable rotation with guys uh, you know with with a lot of places in their itinerary. You look at Mike Fires and, and Brett Anderson and Edwin Jackson and. Um, you know, these are guys who've bounced around quite a bit, but they do have uh, some veteran savvy. And like the Yankees, they are backed by a tremendous uh, back end of the bullpen. Um, you know, we've seen the last couple of days, Sean Manaya and, and Mike Fires winning games where they didn't have to go that long because you can go to uh, Trevino and Trinan and, and, and the acquisitions of Rodney and Familia. Um, so they're pretty deep um, in that bullpen. And when you can shorten games and you can score and hit for power the way the A's do, um, yeah, I, I think I think they could be, they could see this thing through to the playoffs. And uh, once you get in there, who knows? Tyler, wasn't long ago that the Red Sox looked unbeatable. Does the Chris Sale injury give you uh, give you pause as you ponder the playoff situation? It does a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, there's always the, the the fear that the Red Sox peaked early. Um, I was up there a couple games this week and saw them lose one to Cleveland and, and then uh, beat Cleveland again and then they beat them badly the last game so um you know they still still uh are really good but they're having some trouble with with tampa um this weekend and the yankees have a really easy schedule coming up still think the red sox will win that division um but the yankees could at least make it interesting here and the sale injury does give me some concern because the first time they put him on the dl i figured it was maybe kind of a phantom dl thing um you know you sit the guy for 10 days two weeks in the middle of august when he's uh after he's thrown a lot of innings and, and, and to ward off his usual late-season swoon, um, made sense to me. But the fact that they put him back on the DL means that there's really something there, um, and it does make you worry because he, as you know, in Chicago, he's the best pitcher in baseball probably when he's right, um, but he's he's not always at peak strength, and they need that to uh, to get past the first round, which they haven't done in a long time. Even though they've lost now four games in a row, lately I've been buying and buying on Cleveland and, and hmm. how little they have to do just to stroll into the playoffs and, and what they have to do if, they, if their bullpen is healthy and we know about the top of the rotation and that infield. But the outfield, a big question. What do you think they're going to do in the next week? Yeah, I think they'll... You know, they, they, they wanted to get uh, Leonis Martin and obviously he had the, the life-threatening... Um, you know, off the field injury. I don't even know what you call it—a blood injury or, or a blood uh, problem. I'd have to look it up, but it was very scary. And, and, and obviously, they don't have him um, as he recuperates. Uh, but they, you know, Greg Allen's been doing a good job. I think Cleveland is is a, a batter too short, maybe. Um, but I also wouldn't count them out because they do some things that uh, championship teams tend to do. They uh, they can beat you in a lot of ways. You know, they can hit for power and they run. And they don't strike out. So, you know, that combination, I think, can be pretty tough against the good pitchers you'll find in October. And their rotation is, is, is really good. I mean, Kluber, Carrasco, Bauer, if you get him back from the, from the broken leg, uh, Clevenger, and they have, uh, they have Brad Hand out there. Now, Miller's knee, um, is going to continue to be an issue. It's something that's a, a serious problem that he's, you know, trying to, to manage and he's back out there pitching. Um, but the, the, you, you cross your fingers about that. And Cody Allen has not been great, um, but Hand is terrific, and they've got some other good arms out there. And the way they, the way that offense works, again, I think it's a little thin down toward the bottom of that order, 
Um, but they, they're a team no one's going to want to face, that's for sure. They're a very good team. He's Tyler Kepner, national baseball writer for the New York Times, has a book coming out. Uh, we will mention that, get to that in just a moment. But, Tyler, as you look at the National League MVP race, is there a favorite in your mind or too crowded to pick one guy right now? Yeah, that's a great question, right? I mean, you know, Baez has been doing it for um, – you know, but both ways uh, on you know in the in the field and at the plate, and he runs and everything. Um, but then you look at maybe this is the kind of year where uh, uh, Nolan Arenado will finally get the nod, or a Freddie Freeman, um, because I know how voters um, think, and and a lot of times voters will look at um, the team that did better than they thought, and then who was the best player or who was the difference maker on that team. Um, and certainly, the best player in the Braves is is Freddie Freeman. The best player on 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 Colorado is Nolan Arenado, and both those teams are, uh, you know, are having great seasons. Um, you know, maybe a little bit beyond what people expected. Uh, I know Colorado made a wild card last year, but they looked like they were even better. They got through a really tough stretch of their schedule, and um, and and so I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing Arenado rewarded. I'd have to really crunch the numbers um, to see, you know, to, to to give you a great answer on that. Um, but I think it's the kind of year where a, a guy who plays exceptional defense like Arenado and who is a premier hitter um you know could could get that award does Baez's ability to play third as well as he does and short and second does that negate some of arenado's brilliant defense in terms of how good Baez is at all of those positions it might i mean we saw a couple years ago when bryant won um that i think bryant's versatility um and ability to you know be functional in the field wherever joe needed him um was a, a big point in his favor. I mean, he won it easily. Um, but I know a lot of people like that about him. Um, again, I'd have to look a little closer. Um, but, by, yeah, Baez is a, a dynamic player on the best team in the league. Um, and he's having a, his best season. So, um, certainly, he would, he, he's going to get a long look. Um, you know, I saw that <laughs> that 481-foot home run the other day. And, and uh, what a magician he is in the field. And, and the fact that he runs, um, you know, doesn't uh, – doesn't take a lot of pitches, um, but uh, <laughs> no. but he does what he does. He does really really well, and um, you know he, he he's he's certainly in the I think at the top of the of people's minds when they consider who who should win that. Uh, the Dodgers with the best run differential in the National League. They seem to be the team that stands out as the biggest threat to the Cubs. Can they win the West if Kenley Jansen isn't right? Uh, it doesn't seem that way to me. Um, I mean, when he was out, they they just completely fell apart. Um, different reliever every night for a week blowing a game. It was amazing. And now Kenley's come back and uh, he's given up a lot of home runs and, you know, they've won a couple of those games in extra innings last night uh, against the Padres. They, they, they won it, but, um, you know, Jansen gave up another home run and, and, and squandered a, a win for Kershaw. So Jansen's just so important to that team. Um, so good. And I really thought uh, that they would, they would just, uh, you know, reclaim their spot atop the West once they got uh, Machado. But they didn't really bolster that bullpen very much. Um, and uh, they seem like they have just a ton of uncertainty out there. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Colorado and, and Arizona have something pretty special going. Um, they're playing pretty inspired, it seems. Um, I can't tell you exactly who's going to win. I feel like the Dodgers are the most talented. The Dodgers also have um, so many players that sometimes you, you don't know you know, if it's got the right combination out there, just have so many good, solid, um, everyday players. But yeah, you're right. To answer your question, no, I don't think they can they can uh, win the West without uh, Jansen being Jansen. 
Philly's bullpen is absolutely killing them. Is it is it just a year too early for Philadelphia? I think it is. I think the Phillies. Um, it, it's it's tough for fans there because they they got they got a real taste of um, a, a contending first place team for a while. But you have to look at the big picture there and, and remember that they lost ninety six games last year and they haven't had a winning season since two thousand eleven. Um, and and so by and large, this is a good year. But I think the Phillies are just regressing um, to where they to the mean. I mean, they, they, they've been outscored this year, I believe. Um, and, you know, some of it, they've had some blowouts where they use position players, but everybody does that now. Um, they just don't hit enough to me, honestly. I think their bullpen's okay. I mean, I know, obviously, they, they've had a, a rough stretch the last couple of days. Um, I think their bullpen's okay enough, and their rotation's good, um, but I just don't think they hit. I mean, they, they really have it um, structured to where they, they take a lot of pitches, and they walk, and they strike out a ton. Uh, and they kind of play for the beginning to wear pitchers down and get them to make mistakes and stuff. And, and sometimes it works. But I, bottom line, I think you just need to have more hits. They don't have a lot of hits. They don't have a lot of guys who get hits. And it sounds basic. But um, I think that's a big part of the problem there. So, look, they're they're going to have a good season by by their recent standards. And they're building towards something. And they're going to spend a lot of money this offseason, just like they did last year. Um, but it's not quite their time yet, I don't think. There's a lot that's confusing me in D.C. with what's going on with the Nationals, including the time, the timing of the Murphy trade. Um, standing pat, believing in your team, but you trade Kinsler. You also get rid of another guy because you don't like the way he acts as he walks off the field. Well, what is going on with the Nationals? <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing them today at City Field, um, and they haven't scored in, in three games. They're, they've been shut out three times in a row. First time Washington Nationals have had that happen. The Expos had it. But, uh, yeah, they they – you look at the names in that lineup still, even without Murphy, and you're like, how is this team not good? I mean, I, I don't, yeah. I don't get it. I, you know, they have, they have some really good starting pitching. Um, <laughs> you know, I know they had some injuries, uh, but every team has injuries, right? I mean, the Cubs had, and they spent 126 million dollars on Darvish, and they spent a bunch on Chatwood, and they've got nothing out of either of them, and uh, and and they're in first place. I know and Brian's been hurt. Been, and Brian's been hurt, right? <laughs> so I know it hasn't been right. So I, it hasn't been easy. But they have managed to find replacements and go out and make good trades um, and do it the right way. And I, I, I think it's a big one of the biggest mysteries in baseball this year is why the Nats have been so bad with um, you know a good run differential and uh, and, and good talent again because you can't just say injuries because every team has injuries um, to varying degrees. I mean the Mets, you know the Mets had had some injuries, Cespedes, and then all that. So I don't know, uh, but you don't like what you see. Um, lately or just all season long i i don't know i mean i they change managers all the time um i i can't imagine that was was a help this time i don't know what was wrong with dusty exactly um but yeah it's a uh, you know harper hasn't really been himself uh you know i don't know i mean it's a, your guess is as good as mine because there's a lot there's a lot uh a lot, a lot of wins they've left on the table yeah you sound very confused so join the club yeah on that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah I mean, if you – we've sat here – this is a game we play, and I'm sure you do it in in your own head, although you should stay out of your own head, Tyler. It's a bad place to be. But we play this game where we go, okay, well, let's see, Dodgers, yeah, maybe, but they're – it just doesn't feel like it's happening. Is it Arizona – you know, if the Nationals somehow got in, that, would be, that would be that would be the team you'd be afraid of because of the top of their rotation. They're not going to get in, and that's been clear for a while. But you, if you're able to say – yeah, you're terrified of that team. If they were able to get in, they ought to be better than they are, correct? 
Right, but I mean, I, then again, why would you be scared of a team that, that has never gotten out of the first round? It's sort of like, prove it. You know, they, they've got to prove it, uh, and they never have. And maybe that's something that they would never admit, but maybe that's something that, that just weighs on these guys too much. I mean, we used to talk about teams with long-ago curses, like the Cubs and the and and the uh, Red Sox, and, and whether that weighed on them. I, you know, sometimes the pressure of it, but, or the, the, the reminders of it, but those guys didn't play and. You know, years and years ago, these Nationals lived through all these continued playoff failures, and, and maybe it's just that's part of the accumulated pressure or stress or whatever of knowing that they, they, they've been such underachievers in October. I mean, something always happens to them in October, despite those great pitchers. Um, so it's just it's just a strange mix. I don't know. It, it, it's been, uh, you know, it's, it's been a, a big mystery of the season, but it, I wouldn't worry about them because they never prove anything. Right. So some of them don't always happen. Is, is it worth it for them to trade Harper? Well, not at this point. I mean, yeah. you got first of all they can't because they they uh, you know July was when you could trade them, and then the Dodgers claimed him. They couldn't make a deal, so they pulled him back. So he's you know he he can't be traded now. Um, but even at this point, you're not going to get much for a guy at the end of July with with uh, or at the end of August with five weeks left on his contract. Tyler, tell us about the book. Uh, it's called The K: A History of Baseball in Ten Pitches. What's the premise? And three years, you spent three years on this? I've written books, and it's a year out of your life, and it's just the most miserable thing in the world. Three years is a long time. How come three years, and what led you to this project? Well, that's why I got three, because I've never done a full book before, and I, I didn't want to be miserable and, and crazy stressed. I want to be able to have enough time to do it the way I wanted to do it. And, yeah, so it, it's, uh, it's coming out in, in an opening day. But it is available now for pre-order, so um, you know you can order it now and then then uh, get a nice surprise in uh, in your mailbox in, in in April. But I go through the history of every pitch, um, you know, a, ch- a chapter on ten different pitches, and talk to a, a lot of the masters of uh, of all of them. You know, anybody who threw a particular pitch really well, um, you know, it's part of that pitch's history. Um, I, I go into it, tracing everything back to to the early days, right to present time. So it was a labor of love, and, and talking to hundreds and hundreds of of the the all-time greats um and uh you know a lot of cub stuff in there and and, and so i i think uh people if you love baseball this is this is what baseball is it's it's every pitcher has a decision to make on the mound and then this is why he you know why he uses this pitch and how he learned it and how he perfected it so it's, uh, uh, it's a good look into the craft of pitching i'll ask you about a couple guys quickly in particular the change up i assume you spent a lot of time with greg maddox and trevor hoffman yeah i talked to hoffman quite a bit and, and i talked to maddox too. I, I, I talked to Max a lot about that two-seamer that, you know, he'd run in on a, on a lefty's hip and I would come right back over the plate. Oh, he ruined Barry Bonds with that pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember I talked to him once uh, about the cutter, too, because, you know, the pitch that could go the other way. Yeah. And he talked about how he hit, I was actually at this game as a kid, he hit Lenny Dykstra on opening day. Opening day, 1992. That pretty 92, much, that was exactly. pretty much the end of the Phillies season that year. Yeah, right. The season ended the first day. And Dykstra said, dude, what did you throw a throw on a cutter? I thought that pitch was going to do what it always does and go back over the plate. It just kept coming in on me. <laughs> um, and Maddox just sort of smiled, you know, yeah, <laughs> sense of humor. Um, but, you know, Fergie Jenkins was another guy, um, another number 31 on the Cubs who, who threw a great, um, running two seamer and you know gave up a lot of home runs, but was also extremely efficient um, in how he did it. And you know a lot of the book is so, what's so fun about it is, is, is guys passing down pitches and inspiring others. Like Maddox, the first thing he said was, "Well, I threw that pitch because I saw Hershiser do it. Mm. I figured it worked for him, and I'm a similar kind of guy." Mm. Um, you know, and 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 Robin Roberts when he was with the Cubs briefly at the end of his career um, as a sort of a coach player kind of thing taught. Uh, 
you know, told Fergie Jenkins about it. And then Fergie Jenkins went on to, to have a, an amazing career as well. Um, you know, and, and, and the splitter was a big part of the Cubs part too, with, with Fred Martin, the coach teaching it to um, Bruce Suter. Sure. When Suter was going nowhere in the minor leagues and then Suter, you know, winning a Cy Young with the Cubs and then winning a world series with St. Louis and, and doing that, throwing that pitch better than anybody ever has. Um, you know, and, and, and Suter was a little reluctant to talk with them when I said, you know, I, I really want to flesh out this character of Fred Martin, who died in 79, mm-hmm. and no one knows a whole lot about him. And he was wonderful. He was just great talking about this old coach. This uh, He played in the Mexican League and gotten banned from baseball for a little while, and then they let him back in. And, you know, he, he, he loved his players, and he taught that splitter to Mike Kruko and Donnie Moore and Ray Burris and all these Cubs pitchers of the time, and, and certainly Suter did it best. So um, it's a lot of that... Uh, passing down of, of, of pitches like uh, like heirlooms. So, um, again, if, uh, if you love baseball and, and, and want some, some fun stories, uh, I, I, think, I think you'll enjoy it. Sounds fantastic. Look forward to reading that. Thank you for your time, Tyler. You're always generous. And generous. We're generous. And we uh, appreciate you spending some time with us. Okay, thanks a lot. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Tyler so. Kepner of the New York Times. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say the Nationals, they have the same, basically the same run differential as the Cardinals. The Cardinals are 14 games above, and the Nationals are two games below 500. It Just from the outside, it does not seem like Rizzo is pulling the strings there. It, it seems like ownership has definitely gotten involved. It just well, makes no, like, why not wait on Murphy? You had to make this move with the Cubs for what? Yeah, it's all, it's kind of always been that way. Yeah, and that's one of the choices you make as a GM is you have to know what you're getting involved with. You have to know what your ownership's going to be like. Yeah, and there are some, some there mess. are some there are some concessions that you have to make. Sometimes it's whether you're keeping a manager or which one you're hiring. Look, it's going to be a conversation yeah, again after one year. I didn't have any problem with firing Dusty Baker. You know, I'm not a Dusty Baker guy, but you needed a veteran presence for a veteran team that is supposed to win the World Series. And that guy was Joe Girardi, and he was sitting right there for you. But that was going to cost you $5 bucks. Instead, they probably paid Davey Martinez a million or maybe even something you less You downgraded. Than How do you do that yeah. with a ready-made team? Yeah. You downgrade. Yep. I agree. This hour is brought to you by Cars for Kids. Call one eight seven seven cars for kids 1140, we'll talk to Chris Ranji. Coming up next, got to get to our White Sox minor league statistics. And I have a Greg Maddox anniversary for you uh and we still have cubs things that we must get to on the show before twelve forty. it's joe ostrowski and barry rosner on hit and run on the score welcome to play it a new podcast network featuring radio and tv personalities talking business sports tech entertainment and more play it at play.it welcome back in on hit and run on the score joe ostrowski barry rosner with you till twelve forty. the bottom of the hour is brought to you by campland rv it's the model year clearance at campland rv Select 2018 models are priced to move to make way for the 2019s. So if you're interested in those 2019s, they're arriving on the lot daily. Campland RV, RV buying made easy. Just a short drive off I-94 in Burns Harbor, Indiana. Last night during uh, Players Weekend, Kevin Smith of the White Sox was wearing a jersey with the name Webby on the back in tribute to his best friend, Daniel Webb, who passed away, what about a, not quite a year ago, I believe. October 2017. October. So, as I said, not quite a year ago. I believe that's what I just said. 
and this was what occurred last night during the White Sox game. He needed to do a little work as that ball is hit well left field, and it is gone! That was not a close shave. It's a two-run home run for Kevin Smith, and it's 3-0 Sox. As you crossed the plate, you looked up to the sky on that home run. I bet you can imagine who I was uh, looking at. What was your mind like right then? Oh, man, just overwhelming when I hit it. It was just system overload. Um, I almost started crying running around the bases. I mean, I was, I was wondering where that home run was hiding this year. If you don't believe that Webby's watching down and he's alive and thriving, I mean, I don't know how you can't. I mean, that was amazing, and uh, I almost broke down in the dugout. It was just something I'll, I'll never forget. I got the ball, I have the bat, um, something I'm going to cherish, and can't wait to tell my son all about it. Nice moment for uh, Smith. For the Webb family, pretty cool. It was his first swing of the night wearing that jersey, so uh, nice for them. A nice moment uh, for White Sox fans as well. Yeah, and he named his son after Daniel Webb, for people that don't know how close that they were. And I saw him tell this story. I don't know where this aired, but MLB Network showed the clip. His son was born with two Webb toes. Two. I saw that. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> and he asked he asked the doctor, is that is that unusual? And he said, yeah. Well that must run in your family. And Smith said, No, no it doesn't. <laughs> no. I, my friend Daniel Webb, I'm naming my son after. Yeah. Some, some pretty odd things. Yeah. Uh yeah. Um say what you will, but sometimes uh sometimes it's uh hard to dismiss as mere coincidence. Um right. back to bias for just a second. It should be noted in the fairness, what, in the interest of fairness, Go ahead. Um, really none of the metrics support his case, you know, except, I, except for war, where well, he's all, where he's, yeah. where he has a good chance to lead the league if he, if he continues to do what he's doing. But, you know, really any other metric that you look at, you know, win probability added, base out runs added, situational wins, base out wins, I mean, you name it. Really not, uh, really and, and not the numbers any. guys that love on base percentage, it's not, not, yeah, not good. It's not good. But if you look at his OPS, you say, okay, well, he's making up with it by leading the league in slugging. So, yeah, which you know, player is perfect on this list? It's going to be up there. Nobody, nobody's perfect. I mean, look, uh, I love Nolan Arenado. Uh, Goldschmidt's a heck of a player. Um, you know, Baez is a great all. He's the best all-around player of all of these guys. But those are three pretty great players. Freddie Freeman, pretty great player. I mean, those are four guys you can you know outside of Carpenter. Those are four guys you can make a pretty good case for being really good baseball players. Which I'm a fan of being able to play the game. You know. Yeah. Well, here's my question to you because you can make an argument for pretty much any one of these guys, and it really doesn't matter how we would vote. It matters these particular voters would vote. Yeah. Usually, like lately, the group, I think what plays into this is what is the group? Yeah. Is it older baseball guys that have been covering the game for 30 years? They might lean more towards Baez. Yeah. Against, I don't know, a voter from Fangraphs or whatever. The problem is the national guys decide the narrative and they decide the groupthink. And the writers are afraid really to push back against the groupthink because they will be outed and they will be made fun of. Uh, I do know that, I mean, I've heard Rosenthal say that, uh, 
that Baez is his MVP, that could change. He, that can change. Um, but if you know, if there's too many national guys just simply you know beating down Baez, it's going to be hard for him to win it. But you're right. The 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 older guys who will look at old school stats will absolutely vote for Baez. If and if look, they're the best team, right? That's best gonna play, play yeah, in. Best player on the best team matters to them. Old school stats matter to them. They will take into account his base running and his defense, which they should, which everybody should. Problem is he's just not going to get enough credit sabermetrically for his base running or his defense. So that's kind of unfair. And there are some voters that will knock Arenado for Coors Field, even though he has great numbers on the road as well. He's just such a he's such a good player. Such a good player. He was my pick before the season, but uh I hope that I certainly hope Javi Baez uh gets what I believe he deserves. Now we'll see what happens over the next five weeks. I'm gonna snap it when I Chris, see a Lorenzo Kane first place vote. Yeah, I mean in you it's know gonna Bra- happen. Brian Kenny doesn't have a vote, so I don't know. If that's going to matter, Bryant will begin his rehab assignment on Monday with Iowa. So, as I suspected, no reason to activate him until September 1st. And then you don't have to make a roster decision. This hour of hit and run is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Wolves games make the best company and group outings. Tickets, food, and souvenirs can all be included for one low price. Visit chicagowolves.com or call 1 800 The Wolves. Coming up next, Chris Ranji at noon, Bruce Levine on the Cubs and the White Sox. We have many more Cubs and White Sox items to get to. There's a Ryan Braun thing I want to do, and there's a Greg Maddox anniversary as well. We will get to all of it in the next hour and three minutes here on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And now your host, Chris Ranji. It is not Chris Ranji. Ted Farmer alongside Darren Jackson from Progressive Field in Cleveland as Chris Ranji is on uh, other duties right now. <laughs> do you want to know what other duties meant? Yes, I do. Uh, let's, let's ask him. I already probably know what they are. <laughs> so right now it's time to go out to the score hotline. It's where we're, assignment. Where we're joined by, yeah, assignment. Where we're joined by a guy that is missed by, well... Probably a couple people here in Chicago. I don't know any of those people. But he's the co-host of 101 ESPN Fast Lane in St. Louis. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Ranji. You can hear him right now on Hit and Run. Hello, Chris. I was late to work. <laughs> it was in traffic. So then the second segment. So Ed, Ed did the first segment. Well, you, you're in the, it was really fun as a producer telling Ed Farmer down the line, yeah, Ranji's not here, so you're going to have to go with oh, yeah. DJ. And he made Actually, that segment about 30 seconds. No, uh, Joe, I think, okay, so it happened two times. So there, the, the first time was um, the traffic one, yeah. and I did I did the intro in the car from the phone. Yes, yes. Because because <laughs> yes, everybody, told me, everybody told me, because uh, it took me like, we were going to St. Charles, I want to say, to, um, oh gosh, I can't think of the name of it, but we were in traffic, or I was stuck in traffic, and it took me like three hours to get out there. So I uh, the, first, I the first segment I did on the phone, and you guys told me that, as soon as you you potted me up and and we started, that you all started laughing hysterically <laughs> yes. because because of how stupid it was. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, and then another time, and then I think the time that you just played, 
that was when we had, I think, a game in Minnesota. Remember how they used to have those stupid, or no, it was Cleveland, like those dumb 11 a.m. starts? Yes. So, oh, you were, you were so mad because you had a 10.30 pregame? Oh, it was the worst. So I remember I woke up at like 7.30, okay? And I remember looking at my phone at 7.30, and I think, all right, I'm just going to go back to bed for a little bit. <laughs> Pre-game's at 10.30. The next time I woke up was 10.26. How many missed calls from Mitch Rosen? Oh, uh, none. Nobody had called me. Like, none of you had called to see where I was. Well, yeah, because... Yeah, he he kept saying, "Have you seen Raji?" No, but he usually gets here about three minutes before pregame, so it's fine. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's going on? I, oh, by the way, I'm not accepting questions from Barry today. Okay, good. All right, Joe, go ahead. Well, my, you know, we'll see. Actually, I'm joking, Barry. I want to hear from you too. I don't listen. You and I have nothing to say to each other, right? Oh, you stop. You stop it. Hey, Raji, remember? You. Remember when? See, it takes a lot to get Raji upset. I've never seen Raji so upset when he was at the ballpark doing White Sox Weekly. He would do it from, he'd like a two-hour show every Saturday, which he loved, going into the pregame and then the game. It made for a very long day for him. And Ethan Shaw. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Why are you? As long as we're buzz-tossing people, start with Ethan. Oh, it's fine. Okay, a producer. <laughs> well, too late now. It's already out there. What's the matter with you? But he, made a he made a mistake. He made a mistake, and it was okay. Uh, oh, you were not understanding at the time. Well, not at the time. It, it, it was a mistake. He played it up. It no big deal. We were throwing it to an interview I had just recorded, but he played one from like four years before. With Rick Hahn, right? <laughs> no, it was Don Cooper, I think. I don't remember, but yeah. He's screaming down the line. <laughs> screaming! And Ethan's <laughs> in the bathroom him. for like an He's hour. <laughs> oh, man, it was amazing. Like, no, that's the wrong one. What are you doing? And he's got to sit talking there. About, he's talking about pitchers that don't even exist anymore. <laughs> Ranji and I did a, a rain delay theater once for about 45 minutes at the ballpark. Oh, yeah. I don't know yeah. if you remember this, Chris, but I believe both of us were told after that not to do that again. Really? I don't remember wrong. that part. Because we had fun. Oh, you enjoyed oh, well, yourself. Hey, sorry fun. for the fun, guys. Yeah. All right, Chris, why is this St. Louis Cardinals thing happening? Uh, hell, I don't know. <laughs> um, it, it, well, first of all, I think the Matt Carpenter thing did not hurt, and he slowed down a lot in the last couple of weeks. But still, the way he played for about two and a half to three months, I mean, really, if you go back to May, um, he's been really good. And then oh, they brought in a lot of young talent, and that talent is contributing right away, which is crazy because it usually doesn't work out that way. And I wasn't, with the exception of their young arms, they've got a lot of good young pitchers that I do have a, a lot of confidence in. I wasn't quite sure about their position players like Harrison Bader, who's been really good, though. I mean, Bader's been, he's, he's been strong. He's been uh, really good in the outfield. He covers ground great. Um, he can run. And that's something they don't have a ton of, but he helps with that. And he's been able to hit lately. So I think a lot of it is the young talent. And you know what? They made a managerial change. Uh-huh. This is fascinating yeah. to me because you are managers don't matter guy. And since Mike Schilt has taken over as the interim manager, look at what's happened. I know. And it doesn't happen this often. See, if you go back, and, and who's the one example that people always use? Well, it worked when the Marlins fired uh Torborg and went with Jack McKeon and I'm like yeah that was 15 years ago it doesn't it doesn't really happen like that very often I do think 
and I don't th- see that, that people misunderstand what I'm saying about the managers. I think they matter. I just don't think they matter as much as, as we make a big deal of them every day. I don't think they matter that much. But I do think there are certain examples where maybe guys aren't really happy coming to work because the manager is just a mope and he does not create a good environment for people. He's uptight and not in a good way. Because I think, you know, Tony LaRusso was uptight, but there was like an expectation of winning. It was different. And I don't think from, and, and you guys have heard a lot of the stuff, you know, Tommy Pham and Yadier Molina and Dexter Fowler. They didn't come right out and say, hey, we don't like playing for this guy. But if you read between the lines, you can kind of get that idea that they weren't really always on board with him. And I just don't, I don't think a lot of, and Colton Wong too is one of them. I just don't think he was very comfortable playing for that guy. He's a, Matheny's a really, he's an interesting fellow. I hear he's a really nice person, which I, I believe he's a nice person, but I think his personality doesn't work for a lot of people, and especially a lot of young players. So I, I wonder if there's at least something to do with that, because I, I do believe that the best thing a manager can do is create a good environment for everybody, because if you do not enjoy going to work, I don't care what you do, I don't care how much money you make, if you don't enjoy it, you're just not going to be as good. So I do think that has a little something to do with it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's very fair, Chris. I mean, people don't want to accept that as, as reasonable, but it, like you said, doesn't matter uh, how much you're getting paid. If you're really unhappy, it's hard to go do your job well. Like if you're blocking the manager from getting texts from him, like Dexter <laughs> Fowler did, right? Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> it's not yeah. a good sign. Well, and then, I don't know if you guys remember, okay, so last year, Matheny had said something, and you know what? In, in this particular case, he was not wrong because Molina, he, the dude's like, well, he's 36 now. He catches more innings than anybody else in the league. Yeah, in, point, in human years, he's like 55. Right, and at some point, that's going to catch up to him. And so last year, Matheny made some sort of comment about the possibility of, like, not, of, of giving him some rest. Well, Molina went to Instagram. And, and he posted a photo. I forgot what the photo was. And then he said something to the effect of, I'll decide when I want to sit. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, it was, I'll decide when I'm not ready, or I'll decide when I'm not uh, when I'm not capable of going on. It was something to that effect. And then it got liked by a bunch of teammates. Like, Fam liked it, and oh. Fowler liked it. And I know it sounds really stupid, but... Yeah, but Madden that, says stuff like that all the time. About... Just about getting they, guys rest. Yes, but but... I think, it, well, that's what I'm saying is that Matheny was right in yeah. that case, but I think it showed a little bit of okay, maybe the maybe the uh, the team is not entirely on board because because why do you go to Instagram and you air that out instead of talking to him? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's so pretty I, good I indication that, that there's something more going on. That that right, and it sounds dumb. Like, oh yeah, so what? Instagram post and it got liked by a bunch of teammates, but it's kind of not dumb either. No, it's you know, not. I mean, it sounds like a mutiny is about to happen. Right. That, that's that's what it felt like. And and I don't know. I think there were a lot of guys that do like him. But I just think that for at least some of those players, they weren't entirely comfortable down there. I, I mean, I just I just do. And I, I don't know. I don't know if that was everything, but I think it's at least a little something. But also, uh, about half the team is different than it was two months ago. I mean, I think it's literally 44% of the team is new. And a lot of it is new in the bullpen. You know, they've they've got a lot of new relievers out there, a lot of young arms they've called up, and 
so far, a lot of it's working. Uh, most of our listeners just know Schilt as the interim manager took over for Matheny. Tell us about him. Who is he? What's his style? How's he different? Well, he seems to be a pretty good communicator. And, and again, I think that's the most important thing a manager can do is, is communicate with his team, make them, you know, make players feel like they can talk to him. You know, Matheny always said, I've got an open door policy, but there's a difference between having an open door. I mean, every manager says I'm open door, but that doesn't mean that a player feels like they can come in and talk to you just because you say, yeah, my door is always open. Um, I think this person's different. Uh, he doesn't have any playing experience, really, but he's been in the organization for a long time. He seems to absorb a lot. Like, he's taken a lot from uh, different people he's learned from, like George Kissel and, and whatnot. And I think he's, again, I think the communication is probably the, the biggest thing that he does. I don't think he utilizes the bullpen a whole lot differently than than what Matheny did. Again, he's got different relievers now. As that goes, he's, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference there. Um, but a lot of people down here kind of believe that some of the new relievers they've called up and put in the bullpen would not have been called up if the previous manager was here. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but a lot of people down here think that that's, that's the case, that we would still be looking at some of the same arms over and over again instead of trying some new things. Maybe Again, I don't know for sure, but yeah. the, that kind of—that's the—that's the that's the, uh, the growing sentiment in St. Louis. Well, maybe that's because Bud Norris doesn't decide who's gonna who's gonna pitch <laughs> yeah, out there true. anymore. Yeah, um, well, Chris, someone's, someone's got to keep those young kids in line, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, great. Uh, what is the uh, what's the update? The latest on Michael Waka, and what could that mean for the Cardinals? Uh, last I heard, he's doing pretty well, and I think they're going to go ahead and start him when he's finally ready to go. I know that the suggestion has been made that maybe he pitches out of the bullpen, but I think, uh, personally, I think they're better off if they put him back in the rotation because he was he was actually pitching pretty well before he got hurt. And I think as the, the month of September you know rolls on, some of these younger guys because they've you know they've got Jack Flaherty for example who. He's going to pitch more innings than he ever has. I think it's important to, and, and they're relying on guys like Austin Gomber and John Gantz, and they're all young and don't have the big league workload, not like a lot of the other starters do. So I think they, I think it would do well for them if they get him back and, and put him in the rotation. But uh, hopefully he can be effective. I don't know how long it'll take him to ease back into it, but he was pitching really well before he got hurt. Do you think they're going to hang with the Cubs the rest of the way? I, I think they'll hang back. I don't think they're going to overtake them. Um, I, I think they'll probably, what are they, about three games right now? I think it's three or three and a half. It's up to I'm four. Exactly. Okay, so it's right in that range. I think they'll be, I mean, they were a couple of games out a few days ago, and people started to think, well, maybe they can catch the Cubs. But I, I just, I don't think so, because whatever offensive slump the Cubs have gone on, that's not going to last for an entire other month. They're just, they, they've scored more runs than anybody else in the national league. And there's a reason for that. So I don't, I don't think that's going to continue, but they're, um, I, I think they'll hang around. I do. I think at this point now, because of the way they played and put themselves back in position, if they don't win a wild card spot, I think that's a huge disappointment because I, I think they should do that now. But if you would have asked me two months ago, I'd have said this team's not going to the playoffs because they haven't shown us they can put together a run. 
they finally did put together one in August. Um, so now that they've played themselves in, into that position, I think it would be a disappointment. But I really, I really don't think they'll overtake the Cubs. The other thing is they only have three games against each other left, mm-hmm. and that's at the end of the season. So they don't have the ability to make up ground. They have to continually rely on other teams to help them out, and I just I, I, it happening. I think it's more likely the Cubs help them get into the playoffs than, than beating the Cubs and taking that position. Who's your NL MVP? Probably Arenado. That dude's good. He's He's so good. And, I mean, he can do everything. He can hit. He can play the field. Maybe Freddie Freeman, I guess, will get votes. I thought Carpenter, he should be, if that's what you're asking. Um, no, no, no. We just see what you're doing. The Cardinals' bias is alive and well. He's mentioning everybody but Bias. Yeah, you hate Javi Bias. Oh, oh, yeah, that too. No, Bias should be in the conversation. That too. Oh, isn't that generous of you? <laughs> yeah, he should be in the conversation. But I don't think he, I don't think he should win. You're dumb. Have you guys watched Nolan Arenado play? I've been watching him play. One of his old, favorite players in baseball. He's my, yeah. probably my second favorite player in the game. He's awesome. He really is. He, he's a crazy person, but he's awesome. Chris, speaking of crazy people, uh, we appreciate your time, but we are out of time. And uh, we'll do this again probably never would be my guess. Why do you, why do you say that? Because I'm, I'm really, I'm really not fond of you. I think you know that. Oh, will you stop it? <laughs> All right, fine. I like Barry, you. I yeah, like you. Damn, you. Hey, you damn right you do. <laughs> we really wish you were here. Oh, by the way, Colton Wong should win the Gold Glove at second. Why did Matheny hate him? I don't know, man. I, <laughs> dude, I don't know. I don't know what goes on in that guy's dome. I have no idea. <laughs> Made no sense. But you know what's. You know, it's so funny. I, I love following Cardinals Twitter sometimes. We have, like, some good people locally, bloggers and stuff, and and they're, uh, you know, they're pretty quick-witted. And, like, they're all – I thought it was the meanest thing. They're like, oh, great, our concussed manager's at it again. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> My God. Is that we're going to talk about the guy? Yeah. Well, he was still there. Yeah, when, when Matheny was still there, they, they used to call him the concussed manager. Wow. Great. I'm sure they had a great relationship. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think they got press passes. I don't think they were in the clubhouse. <laughs> Chris, thank you. Oh, bye. That's it. We're done. We got no more love, time for you, okay? I love you. Goodbye. See ya. Chris Ranji, former SCORE superstar, now with 101 ESPN, the fast lane in St. Louis. Uh, we got to get to a break. Coming up next, Bruce Levine here on Hit and Run on the SCORE. Hurry, where is Ranji now on the bad guy list? I'm not even, I've never been on it. He's, he's on the list, Herb right? Is on it. I am, there's no chance. I'm such a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.